Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith in work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. Do you bring your faith with you to work? Do you even know what's legal for you in your workplace every day? As a business owner, as a government worker, do you have a right to share your faith, to live out your faith in the workplace without harassment? Today on our work room, we talk with David Gibbs III from the National Center for Life and Liberty about what are your rights in the workplace and how do you maximize living out those rights with the sensitivity of additionally loving all of those around you. One of our top 10 guests of all time. <laughs> David Gibbs III, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, it is always a delight. I love your energy. I love your program. And, you know, we live in a crazy world, don't we? Whether it's the Seven Dwarfs or anybody, it <laughs> seems like they want to force your faith into the closet. And then they want everybody else, whether it's a sexual minority or some type of bizarre conduct or other rights or identities that people want to claim, they want to shout that we have the right to voice and to be outspoken and to, in a sense, force you to deal with what we want to share. But yet you want to mention church, God, Bible, Jesus, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, that's inappropriate. And so uh, we're watching the faith in the workplace be challenged constantly and i love your heartbeat that everything you do uh, whether it's working or any part of your life is to be done for him and empowering good people people of faith to say you know what i don't want to be obnoxious i don't want to be a bad testimony but i want to dramatically live my faith everywhere what are the rules what are the guidelines and we love to give good people good information because guess what they can go make good decisions. How did this all get so turned around where everybody's got a right to say whatever they want to say, but we as Christians continue to be more and more silenced every day? Well, Jim, you're laying out you know, a shocking sadness, really. American law is based on the English common law. And free speech and freedom of religion, the right to publicly express your faith. Uh, clearly, somebody can't stand in the middle of the road and create a problem, but we've always said that if <laughs> That's you... That's not true. They did that, all those marches all over the place in the mid, you know, 2015s. They were blocking freeways. Well, <laughs> they had and, to do whatever. No, it wasn't Jesus followers doing it, but they didn't get in trouble. Well, you know, and it, that is a bizarrity because we allow almost what you might call quasi-terrorist type tactics. You know, I'm going to storm, I'm going to block a door, I'm going to block ingress and egress. And it seems like because we're scared, you know, I mean, really even taking the whole... NFL kneeling situation. I mean, people are using their workplace and their uh, status on television to voice a message, and everybody's a little nervous. What do we do? How do we handle it? But then you turn around and say, all this guy wanted to do was share his faith on a street corner. For that to happen in England, you're absolutely correct. Um, I'm litigating right now in North Carolina the identical issue. Uh, two brothers, they make it their calling to go out and share their faith at festivals and other things. Uh, no amplification, nothing. They just want to preach the Bible and preach Jesus. And they're being criminally charged in this country. So we are watching where if we don't like the message, you know, and, and what are the messages they don't like? Well, that the Bible is authoritative, 
people are like, no, 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 I don't want a book telling me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. Or that there's only one way to heaven, that there's faith. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way. And people are like, no, 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 no. You know, I don't want to hear that there's just one way or that there's only a way or a faith way. I want to be able to kind of live my life my way without any consequence. And so once you start confronting people with what you and I would call the Christian worldview, the fact that there is a God, that he's revealed himself in his book and his son, all of a sudden people resist that and they want to exalt their own opinion, which is really leading to some of the anarchy that we're watching in our culture. But are we losing ground, David? Are we losing ground in this fight for the rights of Jesus followers? We are. We are. And I'll tell you why. Um, We are losing ground because the people of faith have been so silent. Mm -hmm. Okay. We are living in a culture right now where Christian people are comfortable living in the closet. You know, in the closet is kind of a comfortable place to be. No controversy, no fear of rejection, no hostility. You know, you're going to go to heaven when you die because hell sounds bad. So you're going to, you know, you're not a bad person. You can go to church or hang out with your friends. And when you're with your Christian friends, you can, you know, put a little spiritual word in. But now all of a sudden you're going to be around your coworkers. You're going to be around unsaved people. You're actually going to go be salt and light. Ah, I don't know. It's probably just a little easier if I just get back here in the closet and sort of keep that to myself. And as we've grown quieter, and, and Jim, partly what I love about what you and Martha are doing is you're encouraging people to open the door, stick your head out, be yourself, be true. Because as we've stayed so silent, we've allowed these other voices to completely fill the vacuum. And whether it's in the schools, whether it's in the workplaces, whether it's in the media or the culture, uh, God's people need to speak up and let their voices Mm. be heard. And that's one of the reasons I absolutely love having you on our show, because our listeners don't know how to speak up. They have been told by people, you don't have any rights, This you're not able to do this, and so we get scared. We think, if I say anything, I might make a mistake. I might end up in jail, and I don't know what I can and can't do. So my first question is, are there resources on your website for just the curious, the people that are just saying, you know, what, what, well, what can I do? Uh, you know, I don't even know. Um, like when I walk in the door, anything. Well, and let me say a couple of things. Yes, we do have resources. And at, at the ministry, one of the things we do, because everybody's a little factual specific. You know, somebody says, well, can I do this? Can I do that? Well, right. sometimes it depends on the facts. You know, sure. you've got to look at the situation. Um, but if people call our office, we will, at no charge to them, we do this as a ministry, we will evaluate their situation. We'll give them sample policies or guidelines. So we try to be a pretty good repository of information and encouraging people to bump back when they run into these type of situations. Now, you know, here's the two things we always find. You know, you, you have to, number one, ask for things in writing because, you know, somebody will say, you know, I got fired for witnessing at work. And you go, oh, that sounds terrible. Well, can we see the paperwork? Mm-hmm. You know, and the paperwork says he was late 42 days in a row. And you say, well, were you late? Well, I was having trouble getting up. But, you know, when my boss was firing me, I said, you need Jesus. You know, we have to explain <laughs> to him, you weren't really terminated for mm-hmm. your witnessing. You were terminated because you were a lousy employee. So making sure people understand that Christians should be model employees. You have to do your Amen. job. You they should be people of excellence. You, you can't just take your faith and use that as a cloak and say, I'm being persecuted. Yeah. All things you said, David, are really important. Uh, when you're considering a case, number one, the facts. Absolutely. Make sure you're right. You know, that's always embarrassing. Have you ever got a big argument and you go, oops, I was wrong? Yeah. That's a little embarrassing. Yeah, all so, the time. So I, I always say to folks, you know, make sure you're right. Make sure you're right factually. Make sure you're right biblically. Number two, do it the right way. 
you know, sometimes, you know, people want to go in their office and tear things up. And you're like, wait a minute, is that really the right way? Did you go to management? Did you ask HR? Did you have a conversation? Because, you know, you can't be disruptive to the culture of your place. So make sure you do the right stand, do it the right way. But then number three, and I always challenge this, make sure you do it with the right spirit. Mm. What do you mean? Well, when you come into, I mean, let's be candid. You take like a right to work state, you know, bosses don't like to put up with pain in the neck people. I mean, if you're not valued, if you just come in and you're like, I think you're doing this wrong, and I think you're violating my right, you know, and all of a sudden, they just start to, I call it like Charlie Brown's teacher on the old uh, TV shows. <laughs> they just hear the noise, but they're, but they're not hearing what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so what I always encourage folks is make sure your spirit is one, where you're willing also to listen. Um, sometimes if you say, help me understand or do we have a policy? Or would you have a problem with this? You know, I was thinking of putting a Bible verse up, and somebody said that wasn't allowed. I don't want to do anything that's going to make a problem, but it, can you help me understand why that's not? And all of a sudden, you might have a superior that goes, you know what, I like this guy, I like his spirit, I like her spirit, and we can work with them. Whereas if you come in and you're just, you know, constantly, like, um, you know, scratching uh, fingernails on a chalkboard, and people are like, oh, right. the tension just when this person's in the room, well, they're going to find other ways to get rid of you. Now, when you flip over to the private side, okay, now we're talking there's no government employer. You're dealing with private businesses. Um, There's a size delineation, big business, little business, and the line is 15 employees. If you're over 15 employees, you are under what we call Title VII, which is the Civil Rights Act that was actually passed in the 60s. And under Title VII, it says that you can't discriminate based upon religion. So large employers do have a statutory basis, they can be sued if they don't, to treat religious employer or employees similarly. So, for example, they couldn't say we're only going to hire this religion, not that religion, or that would be a violation of Title VII. So um, there are lots of Title VII protections that are in place. And so if you're in a large company, a lot of times you want to see what the policies are. Because what I find oftentimes... Large companies will have good policies and bad managers. So what you really have yeah. is somebody who's not truly following the policy. Sure. And I often tell folks, you know, your culture lives through your policies. So if you can drive people back to your policies mm-hmm. and say, here are the rights we have. So, you know, you come in and say, we'd like to have a Bible study in conference room A before work starts. And the manager goes, no, nah, it's not allowed. No Bible around here. Okay, that's not the policy. That's a bad manager. Okay, who's yeah. not aware of the policies. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes when you drive people back to HR, corporate, legal, and you find these policies, a lot of times they're fairly fair and balanced and they can be helpful for your rights. Hmm. Okay, those are big organizations. Now, the majority of this listening audience is in areas of Florida and Virginia that the majority of the businesses that they work in are small. Small. Uh, I mean, Tampa Bay and Jacksonville are full of small businesses with under 20 employees. majority of them have under 15 employees. Talk to me about that environment as a business owner, and then talk about my rights as an employee. Well, and I will give kind of the, the basics for small um, offices, small businesses, 15 and under, 14 and under. So uh, it's 14 and under, 15 and above. You got it. Okay. And, and so basically, first of all, as the business owner, you have lots of freedom. Okay, now what I mean by that is you can use your business to kind of promote your faith, your ideology. You can, you know, really whatever the market will allow. So if you want to put, you know, gospel tracks in with every invoice you mail, that's your right to do it. If your customers get mad, 
that's your consequence. <laughs> but you have lots of freedom, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, where you start running into trouble as a um, small uh, business owner is if your employees um, were to say, well, we're feeling uncomfortable um, and we feel like you're forcing us into some type of religious ideology. But as long as you keep it fairly relaxed, I mean, it, you know, you say, hey, we're going to have chapel. We want everybody to come. You know, you are completely within your right to do that. You know, so as long as they don't feel like it's hostile or you're creating this, you know, oppressive workplace, as long as you kind of do it with a smile, you're almost unlimited in what you can do in your workplace. Now, so let me just ask a real quick question for our listeners' sake. So this intrigues them. Maybe they're an owner and maybe they've gotten some pushback. If they really don't know, if they don't have clarity about what they can do, that's where you're saying your NCLL is a resource for them. They can reach out to us and we will gladly talk with them as a resource. But also I will tell them this as they're listening and thinking about this. They have more rights than they realize. Mm-hmm. The question is, do they have the... Um, fortitude, the desire, the want to, to do it. So if you say, okay, look, we're, I'm going to bring in a, a speaker. I want to bring in my pastor. I want him to motivate my employees. And I'm willing to pay my employees to sit and hear this as a motivational chat. That's completely legal. You can do it. I mean, you can make your employees sit there and hear a sermon if you're willing to do that as part of your business. Just make sure that you're not doing it in some way that would be deemed as, you know, overtly hostile. So right. if you know, you know, one guy's cheating on his wife, I wouldn't recommend that you, you know, announce that to the whole place and point at him because then you could create a, you know, potential claim that you've humiliated him or embarrassed him. But as long as it's done with a smile, you have a lot of rights as a Christian business owner. Now, the reverse side, just so you're aware, the employees are a little soft on rights in the small businesses. So, you know, if they want to hire their brother-in-law and let you go, you need to realize you're that's part of small business. There's a lot of flexibility. That's why it's so important that you make yourself a valued model employee yeah. and work in such a way. No matter where you are. Well, no matter where you are, but if somebody were to call me and say, hey, I was in this little three-man shop and they let me go and they brought this other guy in, I want to sue. Uh, as a general rule, you're not going to have a claim. I mean, unless there's just something that we can really point to that would be extreme. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, small business owners under our economic and legal system are given a lot of latitude to make those business decisions. Sure. All right. So the small business owner, though, with 14 or under employees, they can actually, can they discriminate on the people they hire? Can they actually just hire Christ followers? You know, interesting. Not that I would recommend it, but could they? Yes, they could. Legally, they would be able to do that, just like they could hire family members, just like they could say, this is a woman-only office, just like they would have those abilities to incubate their business. So if somebody were to say, you know, I'm opening up a little hair salon, I just want women, well, that's discrimination if it's a big chain. But a small business can do that. Well, and there's no real reason to actually run a business as a Jesus follower and hire all only Christians. Because where's the outreach in that? Where's the ministry in all of that? There's so much opportunity there to touch the lives of the employees and, and provide for them. Religious employers have the right to hire only religious employees who mm-hmm. comport with their faith. For now we do. For now we do. But, for example, there are churches that, for example, would not allow like a lady to hold the senior pastor teaching position right. by their doctrine. Um, and a Catholic church, you know, you got to be a man to be a priest. Okay. All of that is illegal, but allowed if it's a religious organization practicing their sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, most Christian organizations start with an illegal question. Are you saved? 
okay, but because it's a religious organization that wants to counsel or crisis pregnancy center, crisis right. pregnancy center, do you believe in life? Well, if you go, well, no, I'm pro-abortion, well, they would deny your ability to serve there. Right. And people might say, well, that's discriminatory. No, mm. you can require in a religious spiritual organization, you can require people to affirm the faith of the entity. Okay. Thank you. All right. That was a, that was a good point. So, okay. Teachers listening to the show today. They just got off work. They're heading home. And let's call them public school teachers. Public school so teachers. So we're out of the Christian school. Okay. We're right. in the that's public fine. school. That's fine. Good point. Yes. Well said. What are their rights? Uh, first of all, they're government employees. So they have free speech, freedom of religion. Um, with their coworkers, with adults, with others, they are free to speak, share. Um, but it comes down to children. Okay, now they're in the classroom. Anybody under 18? Well, but anybody they have influence over. Mm. Okay, they're there as, the, you know, the imperture of authority. This is the government teacher. Okay, they're allowed to answer questions. So if a child walks up and says, hey, my friend just died. What do you think happens after somebody dies? Mm. Teachers can answer questions. Um, they can share from personal experience. Uh, they can encourage dialogue in the classroom. But what teachers should not do under how folks interpret our Constitution is use their position as a teacher to advance one religion at the expense of another. All right, give me, give me a case that you've argued in the last year that was just really notable when it came to somebody living out their faith in their work. Um, I would say, um, you know, this one lady had been there for 20 years, and we won her case, and she um, had never worked Sunday. And a new manager came in and said, that's not fair. We're gonna, and she's like, I'll work every Saturday. I'll work every Monday. She prayed. She was one year away from retirement. Uh, they took away her job. They fired her. She uh -huh. lost all her retirement and everything. But she said, you know what? My faith is what it is, and I'll live my faith and just deal with the consequences. Her and her family had, you know, obviously the catastrophic, you know, negative financial impact from all that. Uh, we went to court and uh, had a week-long federal trial, and she won. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, David Gibbs III from the National Center for Life and Liberty. Remember the most important point he made today. You've got rights, but if your attitude stinks and your actions stink, you're, I mean, we need to be Jesus followers. Everything about you should radiate Jesus. That's your number one right in the workplace. You've been listening to I Work Room with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at I Work For Him and online, IWorkForHim.com.